Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. And welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital Radio and 3cr.org.au. My name is Kaylin and today from the Brainwaves team we have Tess who will be interviewing our guest today, Peter. Now before we get started, I would like to begin by acknowledging and paying my respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional owners of the land on which I'm coming to you from today. I would also like to pay my respect to their elders, past, present, and acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders who may be listening in today. Welcome, Peter, and I'll hand it over to you now, Tess. Uh, hi, Pete. Welcome to our 3CR Brainwaves program. Uh, Peter has anxiety, depression, and low self-esteem as a result of a really tough start in life. These are harsh factors triggered Peter's high stress, which led to severe arthritis from the age of 40. Peter, can you tell us a bit about that? Interesting, at the age of 40, I was into a few years into a marriage that eventually broke down. I've been thinking about this matter for a bit, and I'm not sure whether it's my biological time bomb was set to go off when I was 40, or the stress in the marriage was building up. Um, and that contributed. Now, the particular kind of arthritis that I've got, um, it's it's well known that stress can aggravate it or trigger it. So um, in terms of the, the st- particular starting age, um, look, I'm guessing, um, but I do know uh, as I got into my arthritic treatment over the years, it became yeah. clear from my rheumatologist that um, stress was certainly a trigger um, and perhaps an aggravator for uh, the arthritis. Yes. And um, in relation to the anxiety and depression and low self-esteem, how did those feelings impact on your life, you know, as you came towards your 40s? Those feelings had existed for many years prior to that. Right. Um, so, well, it's, it's made life very difficult. For instance, the, the, the marriage that I made, benefit of hindsight, uh, there was no way that it could have worked, but my own perception of myself was the problem. And what, what I thought was, uh, I didn't think I was good enough. Um, I chose somebody, I guess, at quite an unconscious level, yeah. um, that in fact duplicated my father's derogatory behavior in many ways and towards you yes now sure you know my mother suffered from schizophrenia and there's all that maternal deprivation through my life and that that caused one set of difficulties Um, but the other one was uh, from my father and his constant criticism not being able to live up to his expectations 
And uh, lo and behold, a few years of the marriage, my, my ex-wife was treating me much the same way. Ah, I see. Mm. Okay. But you were able to extricate yourself out of that situation eventually. Eventually, uh, <clears throat> yes. Um, it took, took a big struggle with myself. But eventually, yeah. yes, I got myself out. Good on you. Yeah. Good on you. Um, now, you want to discuss the impact of poor mental health yeah. on your physical health. Can you tell us a bit more about that? You were talking about mm. the stress of your marriage. Um, you want to elaborate a bit more on the, you know, the poor mental health that had been there as mm. an underlying factor over yeah. a long time? Um, well, uh, given that uh, the pretty tough background that you referred to, um, yeah. I was always in a constant state of anxiety, depression, uh, and uh, stress, I guess. And it's the, yes. the, the physical felt sense of the stress, which I didn't understand at the time, but th that's a sign that your body's not coping or it's going to react rather badly to that anyway. And that's a fairly common, commonly accepted medical principle. Yeah. So I learned in later years when I was seeing my rheumatologist, the treatments have changed over the 30-odd years. I've had the problem. Yeah. But um, there was a stage when I would see him regularly once every three months. We'd do a check on all the, the, the inflammation points and he'd give me a cortisone injection and that would settle it down. But um, on at least one occasion that I can recall, he said, now what's been stressing you these last few months? I mean, he didn't, I think it was a rhetorical question. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the things that struck me that the medical people are on sort of their side giving you their your cortisone. Yeah. And I've been seeing psychologists on and off ever since I was, what, about 20 or so. Um, yeah. And and the, the mental health people are, are um, doing their thing over there. But the two never seem to meet. And I think that's a big failure in the in the treatment system. Yeah. Um, and I guess I would be advocating for a more holistic approach to people with mental um, uh, mental health. It's a it's a funny term to use. I mean, mentally, I, I, I could argue that I'm fine, and it's my emotions that are the problem. Yes. And equally, if you're a a CBT type person, you would say it's what I'm thinking and believing. Now, that, what was that CBT, oh, CBT Cognitive Behavioural yeah. Therapy. I wanted to say that up first, but I couldn't think of the word, so thank you for giving me a bit of thinking down there. It's, okay, look, it's a combination that's needed. And look, simply, we are body minds, and it's fairly well documented now, the, the brain-gut connection, for instance. So if there's something wrong with your physical health, it will affect your mental state. And vice versa, yes. if there's something wrong with your mental state, affects your body. Yeah. Would you like to tell listeners a bit about the factors that contributed to that anxiety, depression and low self-esteem in your early childhood? Sure. When I was 18 months old, my mother was permanently hospitalised with severe schizophrenia. And this is back in the very early 50s. And treatments, of course, are very different. Uh, then as to now, um, but the end result was I suffered from that maternal deprivation um, in the years where, where an infant most desperately needs it needs its mother. Yeah. And my father decided he couldn't look after me because he was working, and so I was put into these care places, if you if you want to so call them. And um, I've got recollections 
uh, of being in strange places, feeling very lost, confused, didn't, didn't know what I was going on. But this is really before my ability to, to think uh, and become aware. And that sort of kicked in when I got a bit older. Um, but my, my thing is, it's, it's this nameless terror of being in a strange place. Yes, I was physically looked after, but my, my inner sense of myself was just not there. I, I felt in a completely um, lost, alone, in the void, and yeah. that kind of experience. So it sounds like you missed the attachment that you might have had with your mum, you know, and then so. suddenly it was severed. Yep. And that left so. you feeling with a, a big void in yourself. Indeed. And um, then I, I got to school age. Then yes. I was sent to boarding school. Yes. And similar problem there, feeling lost and alone, not understood. I mean, I knew my mother was not well and it was not talked about either by the teachers with me or my, my schoolmates. It was just something I had to pretend wasn't there. Mm. Um, and... By this time in my early years of my education, my father's anxiety about my intellectual capacity was beginning to show itself. For instance, he was excessively worried that I, I couldn't, didn't or couldn't memorise my multiplication tables or mm. I was having trouble with spelling and reading. And he would force me to go through the bloody things. And um, uh, I mean, eventually I learned them, but it was with a lot of anxiety and, yes. and a sense of, I can't do this because if daddy knows, I mean, if, if I could do it easily, he wouldn't have to do this to me. I mean, that wasn't a conscious thought at the time, don't misunderstand. That yeah. was an image forming in my mind of, of myself. Yeah. So you've got critical father, absent mother, and I really, I, I, I had no relatives in Australia. There were grandparents who lived in Sydney. Yeah. Um, I had an uncle that lived in Great Britain. And unbeknownst to me at the time, I had a, a, an uncle who lived in Melbourne, my mother's brother, but my father never spoke of him and just completely denied his existence to me. Um, and eventually I left home about the age of 24 and right. the next door neighbour came and said, you know, uh, told me about this uncle. And um, that was sort of the, that part of the, the, the family was shattered. Um, mm -hmm. Possibly if my father hadn't broken off, um, my maternal grandparents, who had moved fairly close to where my father and mother lived, maybe they could have looked after me and yes. provided some of the, 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 the uh, parental encouragement, support, etc. But uh, it didn't happen. You've said that there's something important you'd like to point out. Now, it was in relation to uh, stress contributing to your arthritis. Yes. Um, now, I'm no medical expert, and to yeah. what extent there is scientific backup for this, I, I can't say that I know. Yeah. But I, I'd say with my, um, my research with a sample of one, e.g. me, um, yeah. it, it, is, it is a real um, problem. Now, for other people, it may, the Ill physical illness not, may not manifest as arthritis. It could be some other condition. But, yes. um, but in my particular case, it was arthritis. Um, I'm pretty sure I had a, a genetic predisposition to getting arthritis um, for a couple of reasons. Um, my maternal grandfather had arthritis late in his life. Um, and then I remember when I was an adolescent, and I was always spraining my left ankle 
And I could remember, you know, I'd step on a rock or whatever. However, at the age of 40, that was the first symptom. I felt as though I'd sprained my left ankle when wow. I knew I hadn't. Yeah. That, I got extremely confused, went to the GP, yeah. and eventually the, the arthritis was diagnosed. Yeah. So, um, you know, for me, with my sample of one, that's where the, the stress the constant feeling of negative emotions, I mean, that sets your cortisol off and all that technical stuff. Right. Um, uh, it just wasn't doing very much good. No. Mm. And um, in hindsight, what things could have helped you yeah. once you knew about your arthritis? Um, now, do you mean once I, at the age of 40, when I was given the diagnosis? Yes. Um, yeah. Well, in terms of the medical side of it, um, uh, not much more. I mean, there was some experimentation going on with different medications. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the, the big thing is the disconnection between my emotional um, yes. feeling state and the physical state. And um, uh, it, it's only, I've only tumbled with that in the last few years. And here I am 72. Um, and I am, I've, I am now trying to do things that look, look at both both sides yep. in that I've started to see a naturopath uh, about a month or so ago. It's interesting, my GP's reaction, she says, ah, naturopaths, they don't do any good. And then she's looking through, oh, oh you, you want it for stress management? Oh, yes. Oh, well, I will. I will. She said the, the naturopath wanted some blood tests done. Okay, I will sign these blood tests. Yeah. So I thought that was a, yeah. a funny dichotomous kind of attitude on her but part. She she moved a bit with your interest, initially sceptical, but yes. then facilitated your interest. Yeah, and I guess that epitomises the, the, the problem, that, um, that the, there isn't both aspects, uh, psychological, for want of a better way of describing it, and the physical, integrated into one's treatment. So um, would you make any recommendations about how you'd like to see the mental and physical health experts working more holistically? Yes. Um, uh, well, my recommendation would be precisely that. Mm -hmm. um, however, I think it would need to go back both uh, into the training of both. It's no good trying to have it as an add-on when they're halfway through a career and I've got thought habits and patterns that they would, would be applying unconsciously um, and also it needs to be built into the structure of the mental health system. Um, right. Hey, I know it's a big ask, but yeah. I think it's very important that that gets considered and eventually acted on. Well, um, no, eventually. One voice and it's going out to air and mm. the more that people talk about these things. Well, that's a thought. Know, yep. The idea will get, get picked up. Now, can you tell us the things that have helped in your journey? You know, there's some really beautiful elements to your life. I've known Peter for 20-odd years now, I Something think. Something like that, yeah. And hmm. um, I know that there's some beautiful things. Can you tell us about them? Well, I'm assuming you're referring to the fact that I'm a musician, I'm a violinist, and that even though my um, inner conflicts prevent me from playing with the flow and ease that I would like, Certainly being able to, to make music has been um, of great benefit and help to me. I think, uh, now I tend, to, I, I tend to isolate and I still do, but yeah. I don't think I know if I'm with other people, that can certainly help a lot. Although sometimes I get so depressed 
Um, I can go through the motions of having a conversation, but I'm not really having one if you understand what I mean. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't get a sense of connection there. I can have the experience of being in a big crowd of other people but feel as, as lonely as all hell. So the, music the, makes a difference. And yeah. any other things that have made a significant difference to helping you in your journey? G getting good psychological treatment, sure. And um, that, has that has varied and it depends on your mindsets to what you think is the, uh, this is as a practitioner, um, yeah. if you think, if you, if you can straighten out a person's thinking that their, their, their feelings will, will uh, sort themselves out, well, there's some truth in that, but it's not a universal panacea. And I was speaking to a psychiatrist a few weeks ago, and I asked him, you know, that, well, it's, it's usually claimed that your thinking affects how you feel. But I said, surely you, you have it coming back the other way, that your feelings affect how you think. So if you're feeling crookedly, um, it could well be the effect of the adrenaline or whatever that um, your brain is dishing into itself. So he, he acknowledged that. Um, but there again, that was the first person. I mean, he was the first practitioner I asked the question straight out to but most of the the references i've had is no peter you know you've got these automatic thoughts you're, you're thinking incorrectly you sort that out and you'll be okay was the implication well uh, sure it's part of the deal but it's not all of it um yeah. again i think a bigger picture needs to be taken and look you know you've you've got research happening and i'm sure in 20 years the the approach will be very different but I need the help now, thanks. And I've still got more work to do on myself to get myself yeah. to feel better and think straighter. Yeah, good on you. Mm. And I know, because I met you at a certain venue, mm. yes. that there's another big strand to your life that's very ah. sustaining to you. Yes. Um, the, the, the big S word, and it's not sex, but it's spirituality. Mm. And... Um, I've, um, I was, my, my parents are Jewish and they had to, they're refugees in Australia. They arrived in 1938. I'm born 10 years later. For some reason, my father never disclosed, he sent me to an Anglican school. So my, and my mother, who was obviously out of the family, from what I can gather, she kept the faith. My father seemed to have become very cynical and um, atheistic. So I'm, my religious formation is as an Anglican. My, my heritage is um, Judaism. And eventually when I left school, I started to uh, question all those uh, beliefs as one does. And via a circuitous route, I finished up at St. Michael's Church. This is in the early 70s. Yeah, this is St. Michael's in the city of Melbourne, corner yeah. of Collins and Russell, just yeah. opposite Scott's. It, originally, it was a congregational church, and the, yeah. apparently the tradition of congregationalism is to allow people to read the uh, various religious texts and work out an interpretation for themselves yeah. rather than as an authoritarian structure and imposing um, uh, what we should believe uh, on the people who go there. Well, this appealed to me greatly, and um, and the the approach is still I still go, and yeah. um, I still go there. Today, that church really is my 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 home in a sense. It's my 
key um, uh, belonging place. Um, right. No family. Uh, yeah, I've got some friends here and there, but I'm just trying to emphasise the centrality of it being a place with other people um, and being with others, meeting with others. Um, yeah, that has been central. And the notion of relationship has been a, a, a prime theme in my life, even though I lack uh, now the relationships, as a partner relationship that I would like. And yeah. even though I tend to isolate, um, when I first... I first got hooked when the minister there referred to a Jewish author called Martin Buber. And his whole theme, his whole theology was based around the notion of relationship. And um, that struck a chord with me because I, I knew what it was like not to be in relationship. So if that hadn't been there, I would have been far worse off than I am. Mm. You're certainly... Um a key figure there and well-established with the Indeed. community. Yeah. I am, yes. We all love you, Peter. Oh, thank you. Um, now, I know that you've got um, helpful sources of support that you've found. I'm thinking, well, uh, there's my cat. And although I, I've, I, I, when, when my pets die, the, the grief is, 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 is dreadful. Yeah. Um, um, but... Um, uh, it's good to have at least it's it's a it's a being in the place yeah. um certainly and she uh, loves you very much oh absolutely I can see that yeah. clearly yeah you've yeah. seen her yourself yeah. and um i guess another thing that comes to mind is a friendship i've had since school days yes and um uh, i guess we, we are best friends i guess would be the way to describe it yeah. Um, he is, amongst other things, as, as well as a former school colleague, he is my violin teacher and has been for many years. Yeah. Um, for, and for, for many years, I didn't have lessons. Um, last year, I had a fall and broke my arm. So I went back to him to have rehabilitation sessions. And then once I got through that, um, I, I said, well, can I just keep, uh, keep having lessons with you? And he's more than agreeable. Yeah. to do that because um i i feel the need to keep improving as a player so that is there um yeah i play in a community orchestra and I, during covid there had to be an abeyance but i know saturday mornings i've got rehearsals there um and some sundays are taken up with church attendance yeah. um and uh, uh, my violin teacher um, friend, we have a he regular checks in on me um, 10, 10 30 at night. He, he's even though he's my age, he and he's very active as a teacher and is, is quite busy with family and, and other matters. So it's usually at that time of night, he, he'll yeah. say, How are you? I'll tell him, Look, say, it's the same old pattern during the day. I felt lousy and I get depressed and anxious, but as the the, the day um, uh, winds down and it becomes dark, somehow my, my, my anxiety lifts and I don't quite understand why, but that was a regular pattern. But that's the kind of level of communication we have. And he is certainly a strong support. And yeah. certainly um, at the church at St. Michael's, I've got a few very good friends mm. and they, are, of course, they're part of the scene. Um, I have got... Uh, another friend who I've known for 20-odd years, um, 
he lives uh, out in the in the uh, well away from from suburban Melbourne. Yeah. And his parent has um, suffered some fairly major health issues in the last few years, so we can't get together as easily as we could in the past. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, they're the sorts of things I would count. That make a big difference. Yeah. And I think there's a number of organisations that you have contact with in downtimes. Would you like to tell us about them? Ah, okay, yes. Well, <laughs> Lifeline has been my, my, my go-to Lifeline. Um, yeah. um, well, ever since I, was, I remember when I was a student um, back in the... Uh, late 70, early 80s, and I get overwhelmed with anxiety about my, my university work and assignments. Yeah. I would ring them seeking support, and sometimes I got it, sometimes I didn't, but it, it, that's been a, a, a constant. Um, mm -hmm. In terms of... Will we, will we tell our listeners that number? 13, 11, 14. Perfect. Yeah. Any any other organisation? Oh, yes. Now, um as well as that, there is, in terms of anxiety problems in general, there is the Anxiety Recovery Centre of Victoria, Architect yes. it's called. Yes. And I think the, the helpline number is 9830-0533. Right. There is an office number, but um, that should get you started. Um, there's also Arthritis Australia. Yep. And, again, that they are contactable i don't have their contacts uh, off the top of my head um if you but, like i'll read it out okay you yep. it to me yesterday i think yep. so it's one eight triple zero double one zero four one so arthritis mm. australia mm. one eight triple zero double one oh four one or you can go to arthritisaustralia.com.au um, is there anything you'd like to add to this? It's been a very interesting conversation. You've talked yeah, about um, all the strategies you've put in place and the difficulties. The difficulties are ongoing. Um, strategies, hmm. Um, in terms of getting myself more contact, um, you know, people suggest uh, U3A, joining those classes, there are neighbourhood houses. Um, and um, I don't think I'm alone in that. If you are, are a person who lives by themselves, um, yes. to, to, to find other people to be with and, and, and pursue your interests, that's a, a good way to go. Yeah, if, look, if I'm having a fairly good day, I, I can tolerate being by myself and, uh, and do what you might, for me, is productive work. There yeah. are other days, um, I just fall over and I just want to curl up and go to bed. And sometimes I do that. Mm. And, um, and I, I have found that a couple of days ago, um, I, I slept for a couple of hours and I felt quite a bit better. And then the inner stress had subsided. Right. So right. that had helped. Thank you so much, Peter. You're welcome. Best wishes with your journey. Thanks very much. You mm. too. Thanks, Peter, for coming on the show today and sharing your story with our listeners. Um, I have no doubt that we know what you've spoken about today will resonate with so many different people and thank you Tess for organizing today's interview and also for interviewing today you can find more of our shows on our, the 3CR website 3CR 
3cr.org.au or on Spotify or wherever you download your 3CR podcast. And if you have anything you'd like to share with us or if you'd like to give us some feedback or some suggestions for future shows, we'd love to hear from you. So if you can email us at brainwaves at wellways.org. And thanks everyone for listening. Stay safe. I'll be back next Wednesday at 5pm for another episode of Brainwaves on 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.